And uh, I looked at them and I said, what are you doing? They said, well, we're taking this down to those who just stoned us. Wow. Wasn't it you that just read to us, <laughs> if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's yeah. thirsty, give wow. him something to eat. Mm-hmm. I remember when we were flying back to Nabi Ray with your dad, I said to him, I says, uh, John, I says, how are you doing? And he just began to weep. Mm. And he says, I was received better by those people when they didn't know Christ than than this day. Uh, 4th of October, so not quite a year ago now, my uh, second child, her name is Emily, she was 21 at the time. Uh, She was killed in an automobile accident. Hey everybody, I want to welcome you again to the Before You Quit podcast where we want to bring courage and perspective when serving gets hard. And man, does it get hard sometimes. That is why we do what we do on these podcasts. My name is Mitch Schultz and I am your host. I'm also the director of a ministry called Fruitful Vine Ministry, which provides support to pastors, international workers, church leaders. All right, so today's topic uh, is going to be raw. It's it's a very real honest look at suffering. In fact, the person that I'm interviewing, Todd Adams, uh, gave the title for this, and uh, he came up with this. Uh, in fact, I over coffee, I said, Todd, what, what should we call this? And he said, why don't we call it the power of the gospel that transforms lives in tragedy? And I love that. I love how believers uh, can say things like that. Uh, I have been around long enough to know that when people who do not have a faith in, in Christ and f- they face hardship, uh, they don't have much to look forward to. They don't have much to anchor them into anything hopeful. And we do as Christians, and this interview is going to reinforce that. Uh, I'm going to keep this introduction short, except to say that I know this will stir you. I, I know this will encourage you. Uh, I know it will challenge you. Uh, I know it, it will at some moments also lift you as we talk again about the hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a story, the testimony of a man whose trust in Christ has been deepened by, uh, first of all, the hardships of serving Jesus in some of the most remote parts of the world. Uh, he, he has been a, a worker in Indonesia, in fact, the same part where I grew up in Papua. But he's also going to talk about how his faith was deepened and is being deepened and challenged, by the way, in a time of personal loss. Uh, Todd and Debbie Adams have been international workers for over 20 years with the Christian Missionary Alliance, uh, both in Africa and most recently in Indonesia. They have four children, uh, Sully, who is 25, uh, Emily, who passed away tragically from a car accident at the age of 21 last October, and we're going to be talking about that with Todd. This will be part of our reflection on suffering today. And then Jordan, who is 20, and then Bo, who is 13. Uh, Todd and Debbie have been married for, I think, about 27, 28 years. And um, I know that um, you'll, as you listen into this, I, I know you'll be drawn to the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's go ahead and jump into that interview right now. All right, I have a good friend sitting across the table from me, uh, Todd Adams. Todd, thank you so much for being willing to be part of this, to risk all by being part of this before you quit podcast. Thank you. Happy to be a part. I almost wore my red shirt today, and good thing I did not. We would have matched. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, Todd, um, there's so much to talk about, and we, we spent some time 
kind of debriefing on your life and where things have been for you in the in the last year and what to talk about today and and we're going to try to be very purposeful in this and in fact when we met the other day you suggested that we after we talked about what to talk about that we call this the power of the gospel that transforms lives in tragedy so that will be the theme that will kind of hover over all of this but let's start just help us to get to know you a little bit tell us about your journey and where you've been what you're doing where you're going sure yeah so my wife and I are uh, missionaries in Indonesia and been working there for uh, since 2002, so for about the last 17 years, and um, had the privilege of being involved in God's work overseas. And you grew lives. you grew up there in Papua, That's uh, where I grew up as well. So That's this right. is exciting for me to. I think it's the first time I've actually interviewed someone from there. That oh, uh, at least, at least, in, well, you're not my generation. You're younger than I am. Um, so we we met recently, and again, as I suggested a, a second ago, you know, talk about really, really just to kind of catch up on each other's lives, but also talk about what uh, this podcast would be about. And you suggested that title, uh, "The Power of the Gospel That Transforms Lives in Tragedy." Um, what, why did you come up with that? What were you thinking? Well, I've just observed over my own life and uh, in ministry that trials and suffering and tragedy are very much a part of the journey of the mm-hmm. believer and of any member of the human race. And what does the gospel do in the midst of that? And mm-hmm. I have seen that it's absolutely transformative, the gospel is. Yeah, it, I talked to someone this week in a, in a kind of a, a setting to help them through some struggles, and I and I share this image a lot that when we go through hard times, we, we really, we're at a, a fork in the road and we have two options, either uh, go our own way, be, which oftentimes involves anger, bitterness, doubt, uncertainty, uh, or we can be obedient with it. And there is the need for obedience in suffering. Uh, you know, Jesus was obedient to death. I mean, he, he, he went through the worst thing any of us could ever go. So there's the theology there of suffering that... Christ was willing to go all the way to the cross, um, and if we're willing to follow him in that, in obedience with whatever he places on us, we're not alone. Uh, and so I, I sense uh, a lot of what we're going to talk about here today is, is what comes with this, the transform- transforming power of the gospel is realizing that uh, God is with us and he's helping. How, how important has that been for you, and how has that grown? How's that, how has that deepened? in the last, let's say, 20 years of your life? Yeah, well, I think oftentimes when we think about the gospel, we think about salvation of mm-hmm. sin. Uh, but in reality, the gospel is far greater than only the forgiveness of sin. It is certainly that, but it gives us the ability to overcome in all of life's tragedies mm-hmm. and in all of life's sorrows and sufferings. It gives us hope and future and joy uh, and uh, the promise of eternal life. Uh, the gospel is absolutely all-inclusive. Mm-hmm. And uh, so as I've walked through my own personal journey of sorrow, uh, walked with colleagues and national colleagues in Indonesia through sorrow, I have seen that the gospel absolutely changes and transforms how we do that and that Christ's life uh, is for us all through those moments. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm passionate about that. It's what gives me hope and future and joy 
in the midst of the challenges and difficulties of life. Yeah, and, and it's, it's hard for us to wrap our, our mind around that when, you know, we're, we're doing this podcast a couple days after the Bahamas has just been devastated. Right. And I, I spent some time yesterday just reflecting, trying to make sense of that, which I could not. I mean, it just, uh, you know, here was a, a Category 5 hurricane hovering over an island for two full days and then the images that came out afterwards just complete devastation and just trying to picture people who now have no home uh, and right now the immediate needs are just unbelievable and uh, but then I, I thought um, that if this becomes um, an opportunity I think for us first to make sense of it in light of the gospel that there is suffering that we live in a, in a world where horrible tragic things will happen uh, but for us to be able to say that the only hope that these people have, I mean, there's the immediate longing they have uh, to just survive, but the, the, ultimately the hope they have is in Jesus Christ. Um, I mean, how, how do you process things like that? Because I think when we, and we're going to talk about some of the things you've gone through personally, um, yeah, you own it, so you've got the choice to, to respond to it, and the gospel helps. But when you look at large events like that, how does that how, how does the gospel help us to make sense of it in a, in a way? Yeah, our loaded questions. Big questions. <laughs> yeah, but I think that, a lot of people are struggling with this right now, particularly right. people who who are not strong in their faith or who are not believers. It's like this is a deal breaker. You know, right. no, I'm, there's no way I'm going to consider Christianity if this is what it's about. Yeah. Well, I maybe I can answer it by a little bit of a story. I just saw a. Uh, picture of some pilot friends of mine who are loading up an aircraft with MAF and uh, headed to the Bahamas mm. full of supplies going there to minister. I saw Samaritan's Purse mm. was doing the same and I think that the response of the believer in tragedy is to engage in help, to I bring love the love mm. of Jesus, to bring hope, to bring care, to bring medical uh, resources to bring counseling in so tragedy the gospel overcomes tragedy and that christ enters in through mm -hmm. his body and yeah. that's what i see is that the gospel is absolutely transformative does the gospel change the fact that evil impacts our world and brings destruction into the lives of people not at this moment in human history. There mm. will be a day when all of that is taken away, when Jesus returns and makes everything new. But in this time, he brings his body to bring to bear his love, his care, his presence. I've experienced that personally, and I see it happen again and again through tragedy. When the tsunami hit Aceh, countless mm -hmm. numbers of believers flooded in with monies, flooded in with personnel, flooded in with help. To bring the love of Jesus mm -hmm. to those that have never heard the name of yeah. Jesus. Yeah, that was northern part of Indonesia, That's which right. was uh, extremely. The part of Indonesia, Indonesia is a nominally has been a nominally Muslim culture, but that part was not. That's right. And this gave access to the gospel. Yeah, I, I love that because instead of sitting there wrestling with the theology and you know why does this happen, just get just help. I mean, that, as Christians, that's what the gospel does is is go out and rescue. There's an urgency there. And in times like this, we're reminded that we do have a message of hope, but also the need to, to help out practically. Right. And that, that can happen on a micro level. You know, someone we know who's hurting, 
uh, reach out to them, help them. But in grand scales like this, the, the, this, the body responds. And that's exactly what Jesus did, right? When yes. I was an enemy of God, yeah. when I was far from him, mm-hmm. when my world was in <clears throat> tragedy, he mm-hmm. came and helped. Yeah. He bridged the gap. Yeah. He brought his life and presence in and absolutely changed mm-hmm. my life personally and everyone who puts their hope in. And he continues to bring his love and care through his body in the midst of yeah. tragedy. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's remarkable. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you've been serving in Papua, as you, you mentioned earlier. It's where you, you grew up. Uh, what's this? What's that been like? What has been encouraging? What has been hard? And this is going to help us to segue to talk a little bit about some of the uh, the hard things that are happening there, and then we'll segue into some of the things that have happened in your life recently as well. Well, I personally am thrilled with the story of God's grace in Papua to see that a people that knew nothing of Christ, um, that many had after having heard the gospel and received love and care through uh, missionaries have come to faith and the church is planted and is continuing to reach out and God continues to send uh, uh, missionaries and workers there and so it is a story of God's mm-hmm. grace. Describe Before you continue with that, describe where that is, what the culture is like, a lot of people might not know. Yeah, sure. So the island of Papua is kind of like Haiti and the Dominican Republic. One island, two countries. Mm-hmm. One half of it's Papua New Guinea, the other half of it is part of the Republic of Indonesia. It used so, to be called Irian Jaya when we, when we lived there, recently right. changed to Papua. That's right. And, and it's made up of many different tribal groups. Uh, it has been very primitive. That is changing some, but in large sense, it still is quite primitive, isn't it? It continues to be fairly primitive. Just about 65 years ago or so, people <clears throat> were still living in a, very much a Stone Age culture. And uh, so it's experienced in rapid change over the last 65 mm-hmm. years as it's moving into the 21st century but yeah you get out of the city centers and you're right back into life in Papua as it was for centuries ago yeah yeah so. the the tribe where my parents worked uh, I understand is still quite primitive in the in the Whistle Lakes area and and what we think is hilarious is sometimes my dad will get a cell phone call from someone that he knew there you know still live in huts some of them maybe still don't wear clothing but they have cell phones yeah how's that possible yeah it's amazing <laughs> it's crazy connected to the world wide yeah. web no matter where yeah. you are on this yeah. globe now yeah so yeah what's been encouraging and what what has been hard well i think what's hard is the fact that living in a sin fallen world um you know and as uh, the writer of James says, you know, this is in James 4, we all know this, but it says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you can't have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Mm. And this is a depiction of the heart of man and so even while we're seeking to do the good work of bringing the gospel and many have received the gospel this reality is still present in the heart of uh, me and others and papuans Mm -hmm. and so we're struggling with uh, it shows up everywhere yeah putting to death our flesh Mm -hmm. and being made alive to christ but Mm -hmm. in the meantime we there are fights and struggles that occur and so we're 
been walking through the last 12 plus years an unfortunate provincial-wide split that happened in the Alliance Church there in Indonesia. And it's quite a large church, isn't it? It is. And that's so regrettable Mm. and difficult to see your friends uh, suffer and hurt um, as there's quarreling that Mm -hmm. goes on among them. Uh, What brings encouragement to me is that God uses even difficulty for good purposes Mm -hmm. in our lives. And I have seen the resiliency of men and women that love Jesus with all their heart respond in forgiveness, respond in kindness, um, become more committed to the life of Christ in them. Uh, Those things bring me great joy. Mm. And so God works in the midst even of our own ugliness. Mm Yeah, and it happens here, it happens there. It is. Uh, t- it's a t- human problem, isn't it? It is, it is, yeah, yeah on a mass scale, yeah. uh, as as much as in, in families and individuals. And, yeah, when we talk about conflict in church, I, I agree with you. The The heart of it is is our, our flesh. Mm-hmm. It's it's the pride of, pride of life. And um, if we're not obedient to the gospel and one our own way, there will be conflict. Yeah. Um, to, to get back, I mean, tying that in with, with our theme here, the power of the gospel that transforms lives, t- tell us some stories where you've seen that uh, really uh, express itself in a, in a very wonderful way. Sure. I have a really dear, dear friend, his name's Tibet, and um, he and I have been involved in ministry together for uh, a lot of years, and one time we were... Uh, teaching together at a pastor's conference and um, he said to me he says Todd he says uh, these people that were teaching here in this area they're the ones who killed my father Mm -hmm. and I said to him I says Tibet are you okay to tell me that story and he says yes he says when I was a little boy probably Mm -hmm. pre-five before he was five years of age he says my dad and his friend who were um big men in the Donny context. They were war chiefs. Mm -hmm. They uh, had been convinced to go to another area for a funeral, and they were kind of wined and dined in the Papuan sense and the Western Donny sense Mm -hmm. for about three days eating pork and um, and walking through this event, this funeral event. Well, come to find out it was all a ruse. It wasn't a true thing. Mm. And... uh, the third day the door on the hut was closed and they uh, shot him these two men full of arrows and then they literally dismembered his father's body mm. told me cut his nose off his ears off mm. his fingers and uh, went on to dismember his body he told me um, he said Todd uh, we were sitting in the village of Tagime at the time he says Todd Shortly after my father's death was when the missionaries brought the gospel, and I heard of it. And he says, I walked to Pyramid to hear the gospel story, Mm -hmm. that there was new life in Christ. And he said, Todd, had I not been shared the gospel, I would have lived my life till I got old enough to seek revenge Mm. on those who killed my father. He says, today you and I are teaching them. They are the pastors 
that mm. I'm responsible for. I'm in leadership over them. He says, they are now my brothers wow. in Christ. The very people the that very, killed his, his... Those men's fathers mm-hmm. were the ones who uh, deviously killed mm-hmm. his own dad, and now he was their brother in so Christ. So had, had the gospel not intervened, what would have likely happened? In that culture, which again, in, some, in the spirit of bitterness and revenge we have our own way of doing these things right their culture they have their own way of doing these right. things what would right. have happened well it reminds me of a, a, a story in the bible in genesis you know the story of esau and jacob mm-hmm. uh, and uh, jacob mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. jacob stole esau's birthright through a devious way with yeah. his mother and uh, and then the scripture says uh, esau held a grudge mm-hmm. against Jacob because the blessing his father had given him and he said to himself the days of mourning for my father are near then I'll kill my brother Jacob <laughs> there you go <laughs> and then it says it goes on to say when Rebecca was told what her older son had said she called for a younger son Jacob and said to him your brother Esau is consoling himself with the thought of wow. killing you wow. and that was what was in hmm. Tibet's heart wow. he's consoling himself with the idea of when I get from age five to 20, Mm -hmm. then will be my opportunity for revenge. Mm -hmm. And he said to me, he says, Todd, had it not been for the gospel, that would have been my sole purpose for living, to seek revenge on those who had done that to my family. Mm -hmm. And I says, but because of the gospel, I can forgive. And, uh, you know, and I don't know, that reminds me of uh, the passage in in Romans twelve nineteen that says, "Don't take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it's written, It is mine to avenge; I will repay," says the Lord. And then twenty one it says, "Don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with mm-hmm. good." That was realized in Tibet's life because of the transforming work of Jesus for him, and uh, he was without bitterness mm-hmm. and no desire to seek revenge mm-hmm. anymore. And he says, "In fact, these." are my brothers. Hmm. That's the power of the gospel to overcome tragedy. Yeah, yeah. and what's, what's really striking me right now, it, it's easy to hear stories like this and think, wow, that's primitive, it's native. It's, but these tendencies are, are in all of our hearts. And we see this, and I'd like you to speak to someone maybe who's listening to this and realizing that someone that they might have had animosity towards they're, they're not going to go out and look for a time and or I'll be at a certain age, I'll kill them. Um, but they, they maybe are happy if the person is is uh, experiencing hardship and maybe financial ruin. You know, there, there is that in our hearts sometimes that we, we, we kind of like it when someone goes down. We see this in politics in our country where, yeah. uh, you know, we want, we want those who are opposite of us to fail, to hurt. And Sometimes I think that that's so antithetical to the gospel. It's upside down yeah. to what the gospel does. So if someone's listening to this and and you know what we're talking about is striking you know a bit of a nerve, what would what would you say to them? Well, personally, right now I'm reading a book by uh, Dr. R. T. Kendall, um, and it's entitled Total Forgiveness. And I would encourage any reader to say get a hold of that book. It is so biblically based, mm-hmm. and it brings us to a place of being able to. Uh, 
or God's word and the life of Jesus in our hearts brings us to the place where we can totally forgive so that we no longer seek revenge, whatever form that takes my pleasure perhaps in someone not doing well Mm -hmm. or others knowing this is what he's really like. Those are as evil Mm -hmm. as any other hope uh, against God blessing them. What I saw in Tibet was that not only had he forgiven, but he was released of bitterness, mm-hmm. and he wanted God's blessing mm-hmm. on those who had done his family yeah. evil. And, it, and it's and that's beautiful. It's oh. it's exciting. It's it happy. Freed him. It's, it freed yeah, him. Yeah, and it brought yeah. me such uh, overwhelming joy mm-hmm. to see. Wow! Look what God yeah. can do. I, love I mean, that. the man was he he was. He had transcended mm-hmm. the evil that the enemy wanted to do in his yeah. life because of Jesus. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's great. That's great. You've heard the expression that bitterness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's no fun. It, yeah. uh, you know, and, if, and if something does happen that we're hoping will happen to them, it doesn't make us feel any better. Yeah. And you we've know, probably I, all drunk in that poison a bit, haven't I, we? I have once or twice yeah. in my life, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's never served me well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Well, what else? You, you had some other stories you wanted to share. Yeah. Uh, another just recent event, in fact, it was in 2017, my daughter and I were, uh, or it wasn't my daughter and I, my son and I were at an event. Uh, I had been asked to speak at a groundbreaking ceremony in Seima, which is in the South mm-hmm. Balim. And um, also, again, among the Dani people. And uh, as I was beginning to preach, uh, there was a group of people that surrounded us that were enemies of those that were there and uh, this unfortunately related back to the church split that's been going on and uh, they did not want to see a church be built in their area and so they chose to stone us in the middle Mm. of a service I was already preaching and hundreds of stones came flying in on us for over 15 minutes as friend of mine named John was struck in the head, blood mm. just gushing down. Mm. One of our pastors was running in front of me, and he was struck in the forehead with rock. And I, these weren't just like little rocks, but like the size of a baseball. Or, they were or intending to harm you. They were intending to harm. One of the ladies was struck. All the mothers were taking off trying to get their mm. kids into the hut so that they wouldn't be hit by this hail of rocks that was coming in. Uh, my son, uh, Bo, was sitting on the front uh on the ground in the front. I quickly called him. I says, hurry, Bo, get up here. And he got up behind the pulpit as rocks were flying in. I was trying to keep him from getting struck. It it was a mess. Mm. Very scary time for everybody. And um, after some time, the military had been uh, invited to come to that service to serve as peacekeepers during it in case something would happen. The other group that actually stoned us had been met with the day before to get permission to have the service. It had been agreed mm-hmm. upon that it was Everything okay. Everything looked good. Everything looked good, yeah. And uh, so we were we were caught completely unaware and off guard that this was going to take place. And uh, yeah, what do you do mm-hmm. when people are so brutally treated? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, here I'm as as. Uh, uh, minister of the gospel uh, I find myself asking Lord Lord what do we do in this situation yeah. and these are people that are representing a part of the church that had split I mean That's they're correct their motive is 
to feel entitled to a portion of the the, the heritage of the church of the Christian Missionary Alliance. I mean, that's that's tragic in itself. These are not just animistic people that are opposing you. They're people who still claim to some allegiance to church, right? That's correct. And uh, so it seems com- it seems Bizarre. odd. And yeah. yet, when you read the New Testament, you read often where. Uh, Paul and Peter and John mm-hmm. talk about those that come from within you yeah. that yeah. are like ferocious wolves that will seek to destroy the flock. So that reality is there, and it's been there since the inception of the church. Yeah. But how do we respond to it? Yeah. yeah, when it happens. And so I sense the Lord saying to me, Todd, call everyone back. When things began to settle down again, I called all of our people back. We were sitting outside on tarps and I read to them from God's Word, and um, the passage that the Holy Spirit led me to is in at Romans 12 again, and it says, Romans 12:17 says, don't repay evil for evil. Mm-hmm. Uh, Romans 12:20 says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Verse 21 says, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I, I shared these passages with them. And uh, then we cried together, mm-hmm. and we prayed, and we sang. I led them in a, in a song together, and there had been pits prepared for a big pig feast, <clears throat> and so they opened those pits. But I don't know if you've ever eaten when you're crying and you're miserable. Mm-hmm. It, it, it just the, nothing tasted mm-hmm. good. I, mm-hmm. I was eating through salty <clears throat> tears, and uh, mm-hmm. any savor was gone. Yeah, and. Uh, after Bo and I finished eating, he kept saying to me, Dad, let's go home. I, I want to leave. I don't want to be here anymore. I can understand yeah, that yeah, from certainly. a 10-year-old kid, <laughs> yeah, you certainly. know. And uh, uh, I came out of the hut where we were eating, and there were two men standing there, and they had banana leaves in their arms, and it was loaded with pork and sweet potatoes and vines, all that had come out of the pit for this mm-hmm. celebration that was supposed to be a groundbreaking celebration. And uh, I looked at them, I said, what are you doing? They said, well, we're taking this down to those who just stoned us. Wow. Wasn't it you that just read to us? If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to eat. We're obeying what you read from Mm. God's word. Mm. I was overwhelmed. That's exciting. And uh, there again is the power mm-hmm. of the gospel, not to repay evil mm-hmm. for evil. That, that is totally normal yeah. in your heart, your flesh. But the gospel transforms tragedy and lets us do the supernatural mm-hmm. because the power of Christ within us. I was overwhelmed yeah. to see a people who loved Christ respond so mm-hmm. beautifully and it disarmed the work of the enemy of Satan it to does destroy yeah. Yeah. what God intended yeah. for good, yeah, even the, through tragedy. Yeah, yeah. The gospel breaks the pattern. It does. It, it stops people in their tracks. It, does. it, it keeps that uh, it breaks that momentum yeah. towards harm and, yeah. and evil. Uh, just so no one's distracted, I want to go back to just the detail. I think you answered it, but the, the reason they were not able to do more harm to you was because soldiers were in the service, you said, there and they were able to stop it. They actually didn't stop anything that mm-hmm. was going on uh, for quite some time. They let it actually run its course. Hmm. And after the skirmish had gone on for mm-hmm. about 30 minutes... Then they fired their weapons into the air, which okay. kind of let everyone know, okay, it's over mm. now. 
and uh, people then assembled back in their own yeah. camps, you know, and our people came back to the service, and that's when I had the opportunity to read the Word and yeah. pray with them and sing together. Wow. Now, you were probably in Papua when my parents were invited to, I mean, they're in their 80s, or invited to speak at a large church conference, and when they land, there's a crowd there, and at first they think, oh, they're welcoming us, and it turns out to be a mob that was their intent on harming them. Is that how you remember yeah, that we story? Were, similar similar situation? Were you there in, yeah, that, in we the were, plane? Yeah, we were in the plane. Oh, you together. were in the plane when that happened. Yeah. Okay, and apparently as the door opened, someone came in to try to... What was their intent? What were they wanting to do with my parents? Well, I would say, Mitch, um, instead of answering that question, I would like to answer what you kind of inferred to is that forgiveness isn't a one-time event. Mm -hmm. There are wrongs that are done to us over and over and over again, yeah. oftentimes and by case, the same extreme. people. Yeah. 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 And so these are group from the same, um, people from the same group uh, doing this. And so, yeah, your parents have had the opportunity to forgive. Mm -hmm. I remember when we were flying back to Nabire with your dad, I said to him, I says, uh, John, I says, how are you doing? And he just began to weep. Mm. And he says, I was received better by those people when they didn't know Christ wow. than, than this day. And uh, I remember crying with him mm. and uh, saying, Lord, would you help us to mm. forgive? And know how is it that we can draw them back to mm -hmm. the wonder of the gospel to even transform their heart from where it is at this present time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I had forgotten that you were you were in the plane, and I know that uh, for my my dad has told that a number told me a number of times that when he looked out, he saw students or people that he had taught in Bible school when he was heading up the Bible school, and those people that he had trained to be pastors were there to to bring harm, and that that was that was hard. That was hard. However, I saw even in that situation believers from uh, the Alliance Church of Indonesia that have responded with such grace and kindness and humility to those that have done them wrong. Uh, in that group was a friend of mine who was the leader of the national church and they were striking him on the head, mm. knocked his cell phone out of his hands, wouldn't let him move. He was completely surrounded. And um, I have often met with him. His name's Yehuda. He's a shorter statured mm -hmm. man, but he's a giant mm -hmm. in my eyes mm -hmm. because the life of Christ is so evident in him to continue to love his people, to forgive them over and over again. I mean, can you imagine uh, the difficulty that he has walked through as a portion of his own tribal group have chosen to treat them with yeah. so horribly and yet to forgive and to forgive and as a result many have come back asked forgiveness uh, and have come back into the fold and uh, I believe mm. that's because they have allowed the gospel to transform them first yeah. and then that has begun to transform their environment. Mm -hmm. and, and you see that I mentioned this in a previous podcast that the epistles were written to persecuted Christians, yeah, and and so they mean the most when we feel persecuted, yeah. when we are persecuted, yeah. And it there's something about being attacked. I mean, again, we we can all experience this in small scale, 
here where if someone maybe is angry with us or if it's you know physical attack like you experience in Papua uh, when we're in situations like that the opportunity to forgive is 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 an expression of the gospel it's also proof of when we talk about transformation that is transformational when we're hard-pressed when we're persecuted when insults are said you know Jesus talks about this in, in the Beatitudes you know blessed are you when people say all sorts of you know evil things towards you and insult you and persecute you uh, you're blessed you're happy and it's okay that that one of the most sanctifying things that can happen in your life is when you're attacked and you find yourself instinctively loving back yeah it's like you look at yourself and you go wow yeah you know I had uh, I had one case where someone came to me when we were facing a difficulty in the church and they said Mitch it was a staff person they said Mitch you know what your problem is and I was ready to be rebuked uh, they said you're, you're just being too nice and I, I pumped my fist and I said yes finally mm-hmm. <laughs> I've been wanting to get to that point for a long time yeah. uh, and of course you know you don't always succeed in that but those are moments where you just rejoice that the Holy Spirit's working on your life and bring about this transformation that that he long, that he died to give us. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, you you mentioned that you had another story that uh, well, kind of gives evidence of this. Maybe two regarding these two yeah. situations. I just love to reiterate that the power of the gospel to overcome in tragedy is to overcome our desire for revenge. Mm-hmm. It's to give us the ability to forgive and forgive again, and actually as you just alluded to Mitch it's in the Sermon on the Mount there when Jesus said blessed are you Mm -hmm. that forgiving and not seeking revenge when evil is done to us Mm -hmm. is for us as well it's not just for the other and that if I want to live in the anointing of the Spirit and in the blessing of God on Mm -hmm. my life then I live out the reality of the gospel, even as Jesus did for me, Mm -hmm. to not seek revenge against me for my wrong against Mm -hmm. him, to forgive me when I was an enemy of God, and that in entering to what Jesus did for me, to others, Mm -hmm. I am blessed, Mm -hmm. and I live under his anointing, and I reflect his glory, and I'm freed. And uh, that's what I've seen in Tibet's life. Mm-hmm. That's what I've seen in the lives of those from Sema, in the lives of those from the Pontiac where your mom mm-hmm. and dad worked. This overcoming and a supernatural work that the Spirit does. And then joy in mm-hmm. their lives mm-hmm. as a result mm-hmm. of living in obedience of, to that transformed life, yeah. Christ in us, yeah. the hope of glory. And, and one of the transformational aspects to this too uh, is the continuing burden we have for those who who are against us? Yeah. That that yeah. There's there's joy in in doing what the gospel calls us to do, but then there's the tears. You know, flying in the airplane, leaving, and just yeah. being broken. Absolutely. Uh, the the two the two go parallel. You know, joy, but a heartache for yes. for the lost, yes. the, the people that are doing this. Yes. Uh, third thing you want to talk about is the most personal to you, and we we talked about you know your readiness for this and. And it's also a very recent event, and uh, I've been praying for you as you know we prepared for this as we yeah. come to this part here. Yeah, the fourth uh, of October, so not quite a year ago now. My uh, second child, her name is Emily. She was 21 at the time. Uh, she was killed in an automobile accident. 
and she was studying to uh, be a nurse at John Brown University and the night of her death she was returning at about 9.38 at night is when we're told by the uh, the accident report that she was she was killed and <clears throat> the you can only imagine as a parent yourself and uh, you, you've walked through the death of your son Travis and perhaps some of our listeners as they would consider if they're parents what if one of their children uh, left and, and, and died so we're walking through this deep sorrow of uh, M's home going but the power of the gospel to overcome in tragedy isn't just for like the stories we've shared about what's going on in Papua but that God can give us, uh, move us from a place of maybe going into depression or hopelessness mm-hmm. or uh, sorrow so great that we can't function to a place of hope and joy and confidence in Him and purpose. And uh, that is what I am experiencing through the life of Jesus, that He's helping me to overcome the the tragedy of M's uh, sudden death with purpose and hope for the future. And I believe only the gospel does that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for for sharing that, Todd. Uh, When when you all had uh, an opportunity, you invited a lot of people, um, I I believe the night before the funeral, to gather together, and there were hundreds packed in the the fellowship hall at the church here. I I remember your wife, Debbie, stood up and and said this was uh, an accident, but really was not an accident because God is sovereign and he doesn't allow anything to happen unless it... uh, it serves his purposes and and his glory, and uh, I thought, what a what a statement! I and I I find that um, there's power in being able to uh, I refer to as planting some flags, you know, we or some stakes that yeah. uh, we make some declarations because uh, we're not always going to feel that. I'm sure there's been times where Debbie has not felt that, uh, but anchoring yourself early on in some. Uh, some truths. Uh, you know, I, I tell people theology matters the most when we're hurting, when we're going yeah. through a tough time. Uh, you want to know what you really believe? Mm-hmm. See how you act when you're in a, in a tough place. Right. Uh, you, know, it, um, you know, it was a phenomenal time where I think people saw your faith, uh, but I know it hasn't been easy, and it's going to continue to be, obviously, something, a burden that, that you're going to carry. Uh, you know, for us, it's been 20 years since we said goodbye to our son, and uh, it's amazing how you look back and, uh, you know, you, you, never, you never get the answer why or the question why answered, um, but as I mentioned to you earlier, the, the who, you know, of who, the, there's something about who Christ is and the reality of my faith that I don't think I would have really known and experienced and appreciated as much as I do now. Uh, having gone through that. And I tell people I'd rather have read a good book and to be able to say, ah, now I get it. But there's something about the experience of loss that lets us, uh, you know, be able to capture some things uh, of the, you know, the beauty of who Christ is. And 
Uh, and at the same time, knowing that that he suffers with us, that he cries with us, yeah. and, and trying to balance all that is, <laughs> you know, is 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 hard, but it's it's also good. What what uh, where's been your what has been your go to? What uh, what do you find yourself consistently leaning on? I mean, you've got your Bible open, you've got a bunch of scriptures that you wrote prepared to answer here, and I I really appreciate that. That's uh, that's wonderful. Uh, but if you were to isolate maybe one or two things that have been your anchor, what would they be? And I know this will be an encouragement to a lot of people as well who are going through things. Well, I think you've already alluded to some of those things, uh, Mitch, and I just like to <clears throat> highlight them. Uh, one, I think that we keep speaking the truth of God's Word over ourselves. Mm-hmm. And as we speak, that theology, that truth, God makes it real in our mm-hmm. heart. And mm-hmm. so we continue to go back to his word. It gives us the context in which to grieve mm-hmm. and the hope that uh, our grief leads us uh, to in the person of Christ. Uh, the other thing I think, too, is that as we started early on in this podcast, you said, you know, what do we do about what's happened in the Bahamas? Mm-hmm. And why does God let these things occur? I don't, we, we struggle through that. And mm-hmm. I think one of the ways we respond is say that God sends his body. He brings yeah. his help to walk with us in the midst of our sorrow. And in my personal sorrow, in Deb's personal sorrow, in yours, we have all known and are experiencing God walking into our sorrow with us. And that is my primary go-to, is that I have found that God has walked right in to the midst of my sorrow. Mm -hmm. And I like to say that I'm learning that God does not cut corners Mm -hmm. in walking with us in our sorrow. And I think about the story of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Mary and Martha were already in such deep sorrow, Mm -hmm. and you hear it in their responses to Jesus. If you would have come, Mm -hmm. they have this deep sorrow, and they're they're weeping. And I think if I were Jesus, I would have said to Mary and Martha, no need for tears. Mm -hmm. There's going to be a miracle just down the road, and we're all going to be in celebration. Mm -hmm. I would have cut the corner Mm -hmm. of weeping with Mm -hmm. them. But Jesus didn't. Even though he knew what he was going to do, he entered into their tears. And I have seen that Jesus has entered into my tears Mm. through his body. As even as you alluded to, so many came for Emily's funeral Mm -hmm. and shed Christ's tears with us. And his presence was so real through the body of Christ Uh, as they have come around us. And it wasn't just at that one moment, but continue to come around us. I just got an email the other day, and some college friends of ours, this is nearly 30 years ago that we were together in college, and they uh, wrote and they said, Todd and Debbie, we just wanted to let you know that we stopped by the grave site Mm. to stand at Emily's uh, headstone and to honor her, to honor the Jesus she loved, and we wanted to let you know. Mm. And Jesus said to Mary and Martha, he says, where have you laid him? He Mm. went to the tomb. God has sent his body to go to our gravesite of Emily, Mm. and he's entered in again. Mm -hmm. He just Mm -hmm. doesn't cut corners. And uh, I see that the power of the gospel to overcome in our tragedy 
is not some theory, but his presence is so real. He gives us the power not to seek revenge. He gives us the power to forgive even God because he is sovereign. Mm -hmm. He does control all our days. He gives us power to forgive our friends, forgive our enemies. He gives us the power to find hope in tragedy. Mm. And I have found those realities to be absolutely true in my life through the person of Jesus Christ. Todd, when we had coffee together, you quoted a verse that uh, was uh, read at my son's funeral, and I end the podcast with that verse in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58. Mm. Stand firm, let nothing move you. Mm. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And uh, I know you're clinging to that as well. That's right. Uh, Todd, thank you for sharing your story. This has been deeply moving, and I know this will be an encouragement to many mm-hmm. people. Thank you. Yeah, it's been my privilege. I'd love to share this verse, too, with you uh, and your listeners. Uh, Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. Mm. <clears throat> whoever believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever believes in me will never die. That's the hope of the gospel. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, I'm hearing a dog barking in the lobby. I guess that means it's time to quit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, I didn't. <laughs> we'll go ahead and wrap up. Thank you, Todd. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Before You Quit podcast. And as usual, if you have any comments or questions about today's episode or any other episodes that you've listened to, you can email me at mitch at beforeyouquit.us. So until next time, stay encouraged and be courageous because serving Jesus is worth all that hard stuff that comes with it. And remember what we're told in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 through 58. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. So until next time, stay encouraged. Thank you.